Actually, I do have a quick question for you guys that I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. Do you think uh, Do you think it would actually feel good to kill a Nazi? <laughs> Adam, it's it's Friday at one p.m. I I gotta I gotta get to work eventually. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode number 24 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film, hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Adam Cervantes-Wagner, and allow me to introduce my co-host, my two-left-feet tango partner, it's Trevor Dillon. Oh my god, my two-left... Is this a a Daniel Day-Lewis, my left foot reference? You've never heard the phrase, uh, two-left-feet? Well, I mean, I, I, I get it, but I, I figured instead of saying that I can't dance, you're saying I'm more like the Daniel Day-Lewis of podcasting. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what my left foot is? I don't know what your left foot looks like, dude. Oh. I have a question about Nazis for you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fire away, co-host. Uh, actually, Trevor, do we have yeah. any uh, listener reviews this week? Uh, we were just discussing this off mic. Adam, this is the first episode in the main feed uh, that we do not have a listener review to read on the show. Do you think what? that? Do you think people are giving up, Adam? Mm, maybe they're all switching to Google. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're moving to Google Podcasts because we keep pushing it so hard. Listen, anybody out there who hasn't given us a five-star rating on iTunes or left us a review, please do so. And in the review, roast us. And uh, then we'll read it on the show here at the top. So uh, it looks like, you know, 24 episodes in, though, Adam. That's not too, that's not too shabby of a run, I'll say that. Right. <clears throat> Maybe we'll actually uh, not be discouraged going into this episode without some harsh words. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be discouraged if you keep clearing your mouth on the mic. <laughs> I'll edit that out, maybe. Uh, uh- well, you'll have to edit this whole thing out. Adam, please introduce our, our guest today because we have a, a very interesting movie to talk about, unlike you all it. of our other episodes where we don't talk about interesting movies. And it's a very interesting guest. You might have seen him at any number of conventions around the world because he's one of the founders of Creature Bazaar. That's right. It's Kwong Lee. Welcome to the show, Kwong. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, just, just hanging out and... Working on working on a couple projects. I was up pretty early, um, just dealing with a few things here and there. But I'm glad I can spend some time with you guys. Nice. Yeah. Nothing like killing Nazis early in the morning. Am I right? Exactly. <laughs> That's Kwong's uh, off day job. Uh, Kwong, walk walk the listener through what like a normal day in your life is like. Kind of uh, the reason why I really couldn't wait to get you onto the Creature Feature series is because, of course, you're one of the founders of Creature Bazaar. You absolutely know your shit, and we will get to that. But what does like a normal day look like for you? Um, I generally roll out of bed a little bit later because I'm up all night. Like during the pandemic, I've kind of had to switch up, I guess, my my job. Um, my, my normal job is I'm actually a fashion photographer, but with no photo shoots going on, you know, obviously that's not something I can do. So I've been working on like a lot of overseas manufacturing. Creature Bazaar itself was actually supposed to be a convention. Um, that fo- that focused on like Japanese toys and and you know various like artist driven toys as well, um, and because of the pandemic, obviously it didn't happen. But we were able to do a bunch of other things like kind of like having an online convention, 
and things like that. So there's a lot of uh, of uh, herding cats, I guess, <laughs> with that when you're dealing with a bunch of different artists and personalities and things. So I spend a lot of my time um, in the evenings just on the phone with, with all those guys because a lot of them, you know, time zones and various things like that. So it, it gets a little weird. Interesting. Uh, well, in the vein of that, Kwong, you know, we're a big uh, genre film podcast here. What is your favorite genre of film? Uh, I mean, there's so many. Uh, Matongo, the film that we're going to be discussing, is one of my favorites. Um, Don't spoil it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, spoiler, the guest brought on a movie that they actually like to talk about. Yeah, I, you know, there, there, there's so many. I mean, all of the Japanese um, kaiju films and mm-hmm. a, a lot of like the, the tokusatsu films and things like that, um, the tokusatsu shows are a lot of my favorites um you know it's uh, but you know i used to actually be a part of, well I, I am still part of a thing it doesn't really exist anymore called a cinema attack um with my buddy tyler and you know we would do a lot of like um like revival film screenings and things like that over at the frida and other theaters um and so i you know i'm a huge fan of just film in general which is kind of a very vague answer but i'll, I'll say this i still I still buy a lot of DVDs because I loved audio commentary. And while I'm working, I actually paint a lot of toys. Is like while I'm working in like my little toy factory, I always have audio commentary going for various movies. Um, you know, I like to, to soak it up while I while I'm working. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you do uh, event cinema, or you have in the past, and that's how we got to know each other. Of course, through Cinema Attack, when you guys would bring. Scott Pilgrim to the theater or an uh, Edward Scissorhands winter formal, which was really fun having people dance like a literal winter formal in the lobby and then have the movie playing in the theater. And then of course you, you would bring out guests like Lloyd Coffin for screenings of toxic Avenger. And uh, most uh, lately uh, I've been partnering with you through creature bizarre doing a show era Godzilla movies. Um, so it was kind of a thing where I asked you when we were, you know, standing there behind 120 cars watching the original Godzilla what uh, you might want to bring on the podcast. And you had, I just assumed you would bring a Godzilla movie on, but um, I'm really stoked that you brought on this kind of alt uh, movie, you know, from a, from a known Godzilla director. But before we get into the movie, sorry, Adam, I didn't want to step on you. Um, I do have one very crucial question. Um, creatures, that's what we're talking. They like snacks. Kwong, what is your favorite movie snack? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a straight popcorn dude. You know, I like I love red vines as well. Um, so you know, I, I'm pretty. I, I'm I'm all about the classics. You know, I I'm, I'm a huge fan of the kids snack pack. I don't know if 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 you guys how you guys feel about an adult having one of those, but that's kind of one of my favorites. Where it's like <laughs> it comes with the little uh, it's a little tray of popcorn, and it usually comes with like a gummy snack and a small drink. Yeah, are you a are you a Wonder Ball guy? I'm not actually familiar with a Wonder Ball. Oh, Trevor? Adam, explain yourself. What's a Wonder Ball? A Wonder Ball was when I was a kid, so I think you guys were around. Um, It's a chocolate ball that you'd buy at the supermarket wrapped in foil, and when you open it up, there'd be, like, candy inside of it or a little toy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard of this, but you you bought those or someone bought those for you? No, that's what they used to call me in college. Wonder Ball? (laughs) Was that a setup just for that lame-ass punchline? <laughs> no, I was actually curious. You strike me as a Dunkaroos kid, Adam. 
no, we uh, went over it on Bunch of Crunch, Trevor. That's right, Bunch of Crunch. And then I just heard yesterday at the theater we stopped carrying Bunch of Crunch. Uh, Wait, really? Yeah, gee, I wonder why. The second you say it's your favorite candy, all of a sudden I have it exiled from the theater. Who's in charge of that? Uh, that would be your boy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, well, let's get into it because this is going to be a movie that we're really going to want to chat about. Uh, no more talking about snacks or what Kwong's day-to-day looks like. Uh, Adam, uh, tell the people what movie we're watching today. Actually, I do have one more question, Kwong. Um, it's kind of timely. What did you think as the expert of uh, Godzilla versus Kong? You know, what? I definitely don't consider myself really an expert. I'm friends with a lot of guys that I would consider experts. Myself, you know, I, I look at it as like a kind of like a kids movie. It was more of like a cartoon, more than mm-hmm. anything. It, it, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of it was kind of silly to me, but a lot of the movies that I love are pretty silly. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely like a weird gray zone. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't think it'll fall within my top. I don't know twenty. <laughs> 20 films of the genre but <laughs> you know it it, it was kind of like a fun a fun romp i guess and you know better than i guess what we'd received in the past because it mm-hmm. kind of blends um all the things together which you know the first film of the this new version like it didn't do at all and then the second one sort of like kind of touched on it and, and it got weird at certain points and then this one they just kind of like went balls to the wall with it mm-hmm. you know when like uh you know when he's just like on in in the middle the middle earth sort of deal like it was just sort of insane <laughs> and so then, this you know, is a this is the perfect movie to eat a snack pack too is what yes. you're saying yeah yeah exactly it's like if i've got like you know I, i'm if i want to introduce maybe some of my like my, my nephew or something it's like it's kind of like the perfect flick to kind of take him to yeah, that's true. There's enough going on in it for sure to keep someone's uh, attention. Adam uh, seemed to like it quite a bit, or at least some bit, uh, and I really, really disliked it. But we don't need to relitigate this, Adam. <laughs> Let's move on to the movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get there if you wouldn't uh, keep interrupting me, Tre- Trevor. But uh, yeah, we've got a very special movie on today, Kwong. You mentioned already it's one of your favorites. Uh Trevor, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Well, I have another question, Adam. Uh, would oh, you my gosh. get any? <laughs> just, just kidding. Yes, of course. Today we are discussing 1963's uh, Matongo. Am I pronouncing that correct? Yes. Okay, 1963's Matongo, uh, directed by Ishiro Honda, and this is a movie about five vacationers and two crewmen who become stranded on a tropical island near the equator. The island has little edible food for them to use as they try to live on a fungus-covered hulk while repairing a yacht. That is the very basics of this film. Uh, it has a 3.4 on Letterboxd, and we are going to read a few reviews of the film from our Letterboxd friends, if that's okay with you. Actually, I don't have any friends on Letterboxd who have seen this movie yet, which is uh, why I think we're going to be going into this basically saying, watch this movie. We're going to be a little light on spoilers, if that's okay today, guys, because I feel like, again, a lot of people haven't seen it, and it's widely available. It's on Tubi. It's on Amazon Prime. It might not be the preferred version of the film, and we'll get that to that Kwong, but it is very, very available. So um, let's read some Wait a Wait a second, Trevor. Uh, director Ishiro Honda, that sounds familiar. Yeah, we'll get to it, Adam, we'll, but when, in the body of the essay. I'm just telling you the thesis right now. Why does it sound so familiar, I wonder? Yeah, Kwong, you know, let's get to it now since my co-host, uh, we're all over the place today. But uh, Kwong, tell us uh, what you might know about Ishiro Honda. Uh, well, I mean, he's sort of the, the father of, of, you know, 
one of the fathers of Godzilla, um, and I, I guess of this genre of film in general. Uh, you know, he you know he he's directed many many different films, but this, you know, Godzilla is the one that everybody kind of remembers him for, and and a bunch of the other, uh, not only the first one, but a, a few of the other uh, Godzilla films as well. Yeah, he definitely has a lot of Godzilla to his resume, but. Um... I had mentioned earlier, I'm really happy that you didn't bring on a Godzilla movie, and maybe we'll talk about one later in this series, but you brought on a movie from him that just seems like this weird outlier in his filmography, uh, to some to some degree, because I haven't seen all of the films, of course. But, um, yeah, again, we'll get into it, but let me read um, a couple of reviews here from some people on Letterboxd. Again, I don't have anybody I know on Letterboxd who's actually seen the film, so we're just going to be reading random reviews. Here we have Wait, one from... what is this I hear about Akira Kurosawa? <laughs> oh man uh i will say on microphone adam i am volunteering to edit this episode because there are going to be so many stops and starts adam is there something we should know about akira kurosawa i don't know it just seems like i may have heard something about like he's very uh ishiro used to be very close to kurosawa even co-directing some of kurosawa's later films does that yeah. sound right? Yeah, I mean, they're buddies, and they definitely shared a, a, a lot of this cast. Or, or, I mean, there's not a huge cast, but there's some of, like, regulars of Kurosawa's um, that um, appear in this film, uh, which, you know, is, is pretty cool. And, and, like, for a lot of these actors, they considered this one of their better, their, some of their best performances, which is interesting for a film like this. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I tend to agree. I thought the performances in this movie were really well. I'm going to read one review from Letterboxd, unless Adam's going to interrupt me for the fifth time. But it, it kind of sums up what I am afraid people are going to think of this movie, and then we'll get into what we thought about it. But this review comes from a listener of the show, Holly Hunter. They give it three out of five stars and say, I thought that there would be way more mushroom people for some reason. Is that um, the Holly Hunter? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so this, I think this is the big problem because, uh, Kwang, you will know more about this than I do, but this film on Amazon, when you type in uh, Matango, uh, comes up, it just auto-corrects to uh, Attack of the Mushroom People, which does sound like a typical like 50s Atomic Age movie, even though this was released in the 60s. Um, I can see people going into this, and, th and honestly, this was me for the first almost hour of this movie, thinking that, there's going to be a bunch of mushroom people. And boy, is that not what this movie is at all. Right. Yeah. It, it, it It's more of like a, a psychological horror film than, uh, or, or a Japanese horror film than, uh, than, you know, than, yeah, like an atomic age sci-fi film. Yeah. If we're going to get into it here, I think uh, I read uh, uh, Kwong, you might know, you know, uh, Junji Ito. Yeah, of course. Trevor doesn't know. He doesn't read at all, so he wouldn't understand. But I just read um, Ramina, and so I was very in the mood for some heavy Japanese uh, horror atmosphere, and this really brought it. That was the strength for me, is just being immersed into this shipwrecked island. I don't know how he did it, but he captured it so well. Yeah, well, for Trevor, um, you know, I know that he's not a big reader. Uh, Junji Ito, <laughs> they actually did like a kind of like a i don't know if you guys are familiar with like nightmare on elm street the tv show like in the 90s there's all these kind of like horror anthology shows um and uh or not nightmare on uh, friday the 13th there's a bunch of it's kind of like a twilight zoney kind of thing but more horror focused um 
And Junji Ito actually has a show like that, or had a show in the 90s, hmm. where, where it was just basically acted versions of some of his manga, which is hmm. uh, pretty cool. I want to say this. Uh, I know that this is the energy that people like listening to this show, but Adam has been needling me more than, more than any other episode already this episode and accusing me of quite so. Is it the thing at the top of the show where I said that you're the, the go-to for mushrooms, Adam? Is that what you're upset, upset about? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Trevor. Right, because that probably got edited out. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I do want to say um, that Dr. Runtime is what they call me on this show. And uh, very happy to see right up top Matongo, like 82 minutes long. Like perfect runtime for a movie like this. Just in and out. And uh, you bring up a good point, Kwong. This is very much like a psychological thriller, more than like an attack of the killer mushroom people type thing. Uh, I described it as, and I hope that this gets some people to watch it, uh, Horror of Malformed Men, which is a kind of a psychological weird fucked up movie from Japan, meets The Thing, which uh, John Carpenter's a thing, of course, meets Gilligan's Island. Uh, so it does. It did at the beginning have this like kind of goofy, almost very similar plot to Gilligan's Island, which I thought was funny. And then slowly becomes like the thing meets horror of malformed men. Um, I'm going to drop the bomb here early on this episode. This is my favorite discovery that I've made on the podcast so far, Kwong. You brought in a movie that um, I immediately favorited on a letterbox, and I truly have watched it twice this week coming into this episode. Yeah, it's, it was, what's funny is, is that I think Gilligan's Island started filming like a couple weeks after this movie was released. You know, the way that things are filmed, it's like there's no way that it was like one was inspired by the other, but I like to think that one was. I mean, yeah, they, they almost the breakdown of the crew is like almost identical to what Gilligan's Island is. Uh, Adam, you seem like a Gilligan guy. Uh, you big fan? Yeah, I'm a big Gilligan guy. Um, well, I, you know, I think it harkens to that idea that, uh, you know, how uh, American Godzilla and Japanese Godzilla, they keep competing on whose Godzilla is bigger, you know, after Shin Godzilla was released, I think we came back with our Godzilla being like one meter taller. Um, I think they were probably doing that back then too with like, who has the better island cast going on? Right. <laughs> I mean, this this movie just wipes the floor with some stupid, like, um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and just geek out on how much I like this movie. First of all, I, I thought that we don't walk through the plot, Kwong, we kind of just talk about it in like large swaths. I just loved how like, foggy and atmospheric mm. the movie was and it wasn't long until i realized like oh this movie is not goofy like they're going for something extremely like like by the end nihilistic when it comes to this movie and i really appreciated it i don't think i've ever watched a movie where i thought it was something going into it and again attack of the mushroom people does not help that name does not help you're expecting something completely different and i believe you would kind of warn me of this Kwong, but it hit me like 40 minutes into the movie i went oh right i'm i was expecting something different and then that's why I watched it again. I watched it a second time because going into it expecting something that I actually was going to really like and I knew what it was, I liked it even more the second time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie. Um, I, Kwong, what is your history with this film? Like, why did you bring this on? Um, I think this is one of those few occasions in films. It's like this – it's this insane onion of a film because what Ishiro Honda was putting into it um, was so crazy and it's kind of like shrouded within this like oh it's a it's like a funny monster movie but when you actually look deeper and you start thinking about it because the everything in this film means something and it, and it was always interesting to me that like here's a, a movie where pretty much you don't like any of the characters 
yet you still want to keep watching it as a film, which I always thought was really interesting. And the fact that, like, I'll say that all these characters are so terrible. They're, they're horrible people. And that whether there was, like, this infectious mushroom, like, this fungi cloud over the entire island or not, these people would have probably still murdered each other. You know, they were they would have... It's not like the the situation made them bad people. They were bad people to, to from the beginning. And that's what I've always kind of loved about this movie is that they didn't necessarily, they didn't devolve at all. If anything, they actually just sort of like, it, it just fast-tracked what they would have become anyway. Yeah, it's also interesting that you can kind of see the, the sort of classic creature feature horror characterizations here um, where you have, you have the virgin in here, you have the loose woman, uh, then you have the varying degrees of men that we run into. But I think the way that it handled it, you know, Trevor, like you were saying, the sort of very serious take on it uh, made it scary and to a point where I really didn't know what was going on or what was going to happen. Yeah, Kwong brings up a really good point about them all kind of being horrible people. And that's kind of hot in media right now, like the anti-hero. Only until, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago did movies like Drive or shows like Breaking Bad take off with the anti-hero thing. I, so I find movies with almost entirely horrible people like less difficult to watch now. So it didn't even really register to me that they weren't that bad. But I think it's a fantastic point that it's like... Yeah, if there was no fog here or mushroom people, that these people would have eventually killed each other. And I, I love that. I, I think that's great. Like a movie like The Thing that I'll bring up a lot, because it is a mix like this is of creature feature and like straight up body horror almost. Um, I just love that like, like I, I was watching it with subtitles on, of course, and a lot of times the subtitles would just say suspenseful music and it was just the tension of what these people were going to do to each other and it's like oh yeah also there's this fungi that's growing and it's like atomic and if you eat it you're going to turn it's like this i love that that's like the secondary thought in the movie so at, at its core it's already just a very strong um you know what are they what do they call the movies like that like paranoia movie i guess uh, you're the mushroom expert yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Um, do you guys? So when the movie opens, uh, Toho Scope comes up, of course, which I, I thought was really fun. And again, I see suspenseful music, and I'm like, I'm already just ready to like this movie immediately off the bat. But I did think it was funny that a lot throughout the movie, the 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 parentheses would say maniacal laughing. Like this movie has to have the most maniacal laughing of any movie I've ever seen. So the the actual laugh of the Matongo itself. Um... I, you know, I don't know if you guys are, are fans of, like, tokusatsu or anything like that, but the, there's a character named Alien Baltan in Ultraman, and the laugh is actually reused for the Alien Baltan in Ultraman. Um, you know, I think Ultraman came out just a few years after after this. Um, but, yeah, that's just something of, like, the, the, the Matongo, like, crazy laugh, hmm. um, the deep bassy one. Um yeah, it comes out a little bit after it gets reused because it's such a such a haunting and sort of like a memorable, I guess, sound effect. Interesting. Do you know? So with, uh, you know, we see some some excellent costumes in this film, which seems to be Ishiro's sort of go to. What do you think is sort of the appeal that he has with creating these costumed, realistic monster type things? Um. Well, a lot of that, I think. You know, he has his, his, what he's looking for, but that also comes from his, his, the other father of Godzilla, um, Iji Tsuburaya. Mm. Um, 
who is the the effects director um, for a lot of these films, and he he actually created uh, Ultraman um, uh, when with his uh, Subarai Productions uh, production company, which, which is something he kind of did um, in between um, working on all the uh, Godzilla films because he really believed that TV was going to be like such a a phenomenal medium, and he actually was like a fan of things like the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of falls in line, like I think Twilight Zone came out in like the late 50s. And, um, you know, this came out in 63. And then Ultra Q, which is sort of like the Japanese version of of the Twilight Zone mixed with like X-Files. That came out in like 66. Um, so that it all kind of like came out around this uh, similar time. I mean, this is like one of my favorite times for media in terms of like when you bring up the Twilight Zone. I didn't even think about like how this could have been a Twilight Zone episode. Absolutely. Like a Gilligan's Island shipwreck type thing, um, of course, which is all like white, white people. But um, and then like this situation like a monsters on Mulberries. The monsters are due on Mulberry Street, like that paranoia type thing. Uh, I, that never even hit me. This definitely could have been easily a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And I, I think that if you look at like kind of what we're talking about as far as like uh like Japanese horror and in that at the time where it, it's a little bit more, it's more psychological and it has a lot more to do with like social issues and things. That's where like, I think there is a, a heavy tie in with like what the twilight zone was doing and what the Japanese, what was going on with some of Japanese media. I think uh, if we're getting ahead of it a little bit, what do you guys think of the uh, monster costumes? Is that a spoiler? No, no, we can talk monster costumes. I mean, uh, because we're going to talk just very generally about them. Uh, I yeah. found them to be effective, and I again, we're gonna, I'm going to throw my pitch out for the remake here, Adam. Eventually, so you're going to have to sit through that. But uh, I really liked the the costumes. Uh, Kwong, I, I you told me that you had a, a good collection of Matongo. Um, was it is it merch or actual stuff from the movie? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of. Uh, well, I know the sculptor of the suit, Kaizo Marase. Um, and he's he's really awesome. I don't know if there's anything that has survived from that movie, um, but yeah, I have a lot of like toys um, and like latex masks and, and and like various things. There's there's not a ton of merchandise that has come out around the uh, like around this movie, but the the little bit you can get, I try to get you know I try to get pieces here and there. Um, but there's a a specific toy maker called M1 Go out of japan and they made this really um amazing like matongo figure which looks like 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 what if if, if they had toys of this in, in store shelves in in the sort of 60s like this is what it would have looked like it's like mm. a a little kid version of a mushroom man um which is really great and i probably have like i don't know like 20 or 30 of them interesting yeah, I think I really liked the the way that those looked, specifically the like fully evolved mushroom men. Um, you know, we're used to Godzilla, which I think Godzilla looks great, but it was cool to see, you know, a lot of Godzilla's like horror appeals that he's gigantic. And it was cool to see like a, a sort of, uh, you know, wild take on a small monster creature. Yeah, the the actual um, there, there's like the the half version of the uh, mushroom man where you where you see him stalking people like on the ship and everything else mm-hmm. that 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 um the makeup for that actually almost got this movie banned in japan why is that uh i you know i don't know if you guys 
knew about that or anything at all. But um, it's because it, it looked like a lot of the, the keloid um, burns or like the scarring yeah, that's from, right. from um, uh, the survivors of the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that that uh, um, E.G. Subaraya would like kind of have to deal with again later on in his career because there's a <laughs> an Ultra Seven episode where they do where, where it's like a similar thing where the creatures look like they're burn victims and uh, it, it was just too close to home and so it made those people feel really really upset and there's an episode of Ultra Seven um, that was banned basically after its first airing ever because of that and it hasn't like no one's really seen it until recently yeah Kwong, this is something you might be able to illuminate us on but um i think that's like the key to this film and i i found the movie somewhat upsetting in 2021 what was the initial and i have a guess of what i think it might be but what was the initial reaction to this film when it came out from you know being from the godzilla director and this just kind of being like a black sheep film from him uh did people like it do people reject it um so I know that it didn't come out as strong as I think they had hoped. And I think over time it's really developed um, this, this insane following. Like the people that have seen it and can kind of understand what's going on really love it. But, and, and a lot of the actors, they've talked about it since where they've really talked about how like they felt like it was one of their best performances ever. Like to me... I consider this sort of like the best acting in any of these sort of like um, monster genre films, uh, like like the Toho style stuff. Like I get a lot of flack when I just say that this is probably the best of all the Toho films when it comes to like acting and plot and everything else. Right. I mean, you're not, I, I, from what I've seen, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I'm clearly a huge fan of this movie. Uh, Kwong is as well. Adam, let the listeners know, man. Don't keep it. Li- don't keep a lid on it any longer. What did you think of this movie? Uh, Sugoi des yo. Very cool. I liked it a lot. Um, I, I, I also, you know, it was the atmosphere thing that got me the most out of anything else. I do. It was a bummer that we could only find the dubbed version. Um, I do wish that we could have found the authentic Japanese version. But other than that, yeah, I really liked it. I like the focus on the characters. You know, we barely see the monsters in this film, which is maybe something we should get into now. Um, it does a really good job, the camera work of avoiding the monster, even when it's stalking on the ship. We only see a second of it in the window. We only see its shadow or its feet. But the entire time is just these people, you know, breaking down. You know, they're, they're rich, wealthy people from uh, Japan. They don't know how to really, you know, do anything. And then even the, the you know, uh, captain, who's not a rich, wealthy person, is a piece of garbage. And even though he, like, could help these people learn these tricks, he has no room in his heart for these folks. So that, and that kind of dives into some of the deeper themes of the movie, because this is really sort of like a, you know, there's definitely like a, like an anti-capitalist it's like there's definitely at the time in japan there was so much change going on because they're just trying to recover from from uh, the bomb and then and they're trying to get back on their feet economically and i think there was a culture culture clash at the time and this film sort of like tries to subversively touch upon that and like kind of like uh wags its finger towards like sort of like how much how like there's a rapid western westernization in japan going on um 
so that's that's something that like that's there and and you know if, if you're like kind of like a, a big fan of like history you kind of can like kind of place this movie and be like oh okay that's why these characters act this particular way this is why this is going on there's a there's a story about how Subaraya really not not Subaraya um Ashiro Honda really wanted to incorporate at the time there was like this news story where there was like a like a there was a ship that was basically taken by this by um this wealthy Japanese guy his son and his friends basically took his boat and like sailed away and like they're trying to party on this boat but ended up not being able to like get back so they needed they needed obviously like the coast guard's help to get back to shore um and they were like lost for a little while and things like that and it's like i think it was the thought in in, in ishiro honda's mind who's like from an older generation that like the westernization is something like like if things were the way they were this would have never happened like no no kid would steal his dad's boat you know and go sailing around with his friends and things like that. Yeah, I mean, um, Adam tries to paint me as a non-reader, but I am, if anything, a film scholar, Adam. And what is history other than a big movie? Uh, this was a movie where I could absolutely pick up on those themes and stuff and place it when it came out in 1963. Sometimes we watch movies like we had Miguel Rodriguez from Horrible Imaginings Film Festival come on a couple episodes ago to talk about Amando de Osorio movies, which is like something I had no idea about these like Spanish-Italian productions that were taking place in the early 70s. I could not place the political spectrum of what Spain and Italy and all that stuff was at that time. But, um, you know, Japan, you know, 20 years post-World War II, definitely you can see what this movie is going for. Adam, what did you think thematically of the film? Yeah, I think it's, I think that's sort of excellent. I like, uh, I mean, we'll get into this more as we get to the rankings, but um, it is not as clear-cut a metaphor, I guess, as Godzilla might be, you know, as a an allegory or a cautionary tale. But I think it is excellent, um, sort of the devolving and acceptance of everything. You know, we said that all these these characters are are bad people. Um, I think I think there is one redeemable character in uh, the student, the young girl, because she's just sort of taken. You know, I'm assuming being manipulated by uh, her teacher, who's way older than she is, um, and she's not wealthy. Obviously, she's a student. She's just along for the ride. And at the end, you know, she's the one who's we see actually eating the mushroom. Oh, this is a spoiler, obviously. Um, actually getting uh, indoctrinated along with the rest of it. Um, but I, I like that. I like that idea of complacency, of being a part of it. It's 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 like a nice uh, sort of precursor, maybe some inspiration to the themes of Parasite. Yeah. Um, and somebody who is attributed, you know, the, the actual guy who wrote the movie um Takashi Kimura he you know there, there's two different sort of like writers of this like era of Toho um uh, monster uh, kaiju film and there was Takashi Kimura and Sinichi uh, Sekizawa, Sekizawa yeah sorry I'm like kind of spacing on all, all the names but Sinichi Sekizawa was like kind of like the fun guy like he he just loved making these movies and, and and he's like a guy that everybody can kind of laugh with and have a good time where the writer of this movie Takashi Kimura he wrote a lot of like the weirder Toho monster films um and he was actually a member of the Japanese Communist Party um so i i i think you can kind of feel like that presence on there like like and when i talk about like the 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 weirder Toho movies he wrote it was like 
War of the Gargantuas and, and uh, Hedra and uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World and the Human Vapor. Um, That's what they call Trevor. Which are all like the weirder kind of like Toho movies. I like how we both tried to jump to make a joke on that title. <laughs> um, uh, War of the Gargantuans, would you recommend that? I haven't seen that one yet. I saw that sitting on a, a Honda's filmography. Oh, man, that's the movie. We, we have that movie to thank to creating what we all know today as Brad Pitt. That was the movie that inspired him to become an actor. Oh, no shit. That rules. <laughs> I got to watch that. We got to make maybe maybe it's like a bonus episode or maybe one day we could we'll actually do. Is that a, that's a kaiju film? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's it's really funny. There's um, I think it was for the Oscars or something like that where they're filming Brad Pitt and he's like talking about the movie. It's like huh. this was the movie that that brought him into acting. And then like I remember watching being like. He's talking about War of the Gargantuas. This is because <laughs> it's it's definitely not not a movie that you would think that would inspire somebody, especially like like I could see him saying like, oh, I saw like the Seven Samurai or Yojimbo and or some something like that, like mm-hmm. these sort of like you know epic films, and then it, it's just like some some you know Toho monster movie is what inspired him. <laughs> you think we could uh, play that at the Frida and get him out here for it? Yeah, well, yeah, dude, that, you know what? That's a funny thing you bring that up. Like, uh, Brad Pitt's not going to come to the Frida, but, like, that would be, like, an interesting way for, like, a bigger, like, Beyond Fest or something to, like, lure Brad Pitt to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to be like, hey, we're playing War of the Gargantuans. Any, anybody a fan of this that wants to come talk about it? <laughs> uh, but uh, Kwong Kaiju is actually on our wheel of genres, so one day, if it lands on that, we'll, we'll bring you back, and we can talk about whatever you want, but uh, I would really like to talk about War of the Gargantuans. Yeah, I know it's a it's a great it, it it's really one of my favorites, and I think I I get a lot of flack from some of my friends because my favorite movies in this sort of genre of film they don't have Godzilla in them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, like I like Godzilla films a lot, but it just I just feel like they sort of like you know they, people joke about how he's the biggest star in Japan, and it's just like I think they sort of like just add him into the movies because he he he'll sell a lot of tickets where like movies like this it's like if there's a lot more like story and plot that are involved and that's what carries the film versus like you know destroying cities and things i have a actually a sidetrack question here that i have been thinking about um kwong and trevor maybe you can answer this also who do you think's more recognizable worldwide is it godzilla mario or hello kitty from japan Oh, worldwide? Damn. Um, I I mean, I think you show a child a picture. I mean, it depends on the child, of course. Uh, a picture of these things. Godzilla, Hello Kitty, and Mario. Man, that's, that is really tough. Show what a child and show an 80-year-old from, like, you know, Czechoslovakia. Which, which ones do you think? That's Ugh. tough. That's, that's pretty tough. I, I mean, I would say Mario. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. If, yeah, if, I'm, I'm I'm going Godzilla for the if you're talking to a child and an older person, I, I feel like Godzilla's just been around for longer. Uh, all right, I'll take Hello Kitty, and we'll all have a different stake in this. <laughs> Talk about a war of the gargantuans. I have um, met the lady who created Hello Kitty. Oh, yeah, that's it was it's it's pretty pretty weird. Um, you, <laughs> has she been to a? We have like a big Hello Kitty cafe near us here in Irvine, right? Yeah, I don't know if she's been to that one. Um, 
I when I met her, it was actually at San Diego Comic Con okay. of all places. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure at some point, I think as things open up, I'm sure she probably will do like, because you know they're starting to open those like Hello Kitty cafes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sure she'll do like a tour of all of them. I have been to the Hello Kitty land in uh, Japan. <laughs> How was that? Uh, it, it was cool. You know, I mean, it, it, it's like, it, it was my first trip out there. So I, I just really wanted to get all the, all the weird sights in. And mm-hmm. it was, it was pretty fun. But you haven't been to the Super Mario World yet. No. Okay. No. So one point for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been to that Hello Kitty Cafe, Adam and Irvine, and, uh, there's a speakeasy in the back. And let me tell you, heavy drinks. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I think that's one of the main reasons that people go there. That, that place had some heavy, heavy drinks, and I just think it's so funny that there's a speakeasy in the back of a Hello Kitty cafe. But guys, we're so far away from Matango right now. Uh, does anybody have any uh, uh, other like big ideas on this movie? Otherwise, we can uh, move on to the rating scale. Um, I don't know if you guys know um who William Hoach, Hope uh, Ho- Hodgson is. Yeah, I'm sorry. Nope. My my name hmm. is sort of my my, uh, my like memory is just kind of all over the place today but this this is actually like a short story that like he wrote a short story that inspired matongo oh nice well but but was it you know is it transplanted to obviously like the atomic age and post japan and was it like um like a norse thing of like you know like something like the movie the lighthouse or something or was it like very like what's the mushrooms and stuff in there no i mean his so the way he wrote it, I mean, it could have it could have happened in any era of time. This guy, his, uh, he was from like the early 1900s. He he like helped inspire guys like um, uh, uh I'm trying like like Edgar Allan Poe or, or I think he was a student of Edgar Allan Poe. I, my mind is a little all over the place, but like it, it's like from that era of writing. Yeah, for like, sure, like Moby Dick or something. Like uh very like uh like cerebral horror oh right on like like lovecraft and shit yeah like lovecraft came after him yeah yeah that's yeah so that's what i imagine here that's what i imagine with this movie because it's such a mix of creature feature body horror paranoia thriller atomic you know like it's just so many different things this is why i loved it so much yeah i mean i definitely i guess thinking about who the kind of people i'd recommend this movie to it would be like i guess i would always have to preface it more of like it's not a godzilla movie um which is it's weird i I don't like telling people that but at the same time i guess like if i would want more people to sort of like go into it and like like it from the very get-go i'd have to kind of explain to them that it's not what you expect it's not you know it's not a movie where you get to see the monster the whole time it's like you don't really even see the Matongo character to like the last maybe 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we do love genre blending movies on this show, but it's time to rate it simply as a creature feature. Cause that's what we're talking about. Quan, we're moving on. If we on don't to get our... to these ratings soon, the cops are coming. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like they're coming after us. Um, we're going to go over five categories and then one bonus category. And we're going to go through the three of us. Do we, do we just want to hold for this? Yeah. They're uh, I don't know if we hold, they might, open fire <laughs> you you fucking you should be arrested for this podcast honestly <laughs> is that a, is that coming from you adam yeah it's from me oh okay all right i yeah, live here okay. in uh, downtown saint Anne, and you know how it is it is i do know exactly how it is yeah Shit. so they'll probably be passing by my house in a little bit 
Okay. Yeah, Adam, I uh, I, ac I accidentally swatted you. <laughs> nice, timely. <laughs> called the fucking called the sw the SWAT team on your uh, on your bad jokes. You're All right, a heavy we'll streamer, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, me. I uh, check me out on Twitch. Um, <laughs> we'll wait. It sounds like they're going away, and then we'll move on to rating real quick. Yeah. Well, this movie is a mix of a lot of awesome genres, but we're only going to rate it as one thing, and that's a creature feature. Kwong, we're going to move on to our five categories now. You're going to you, rate you, them one So you re redid that, but I'm definitely going to leave a lot of that siren stuff in there. Oh, my. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> People can know that we reset. That's fine. I don't care. Do I have to redo it now again? No, no, just go into the five uh... Yeah, uh, Kwong, we're going to do five categories plus a bonus category. We're going to start with you. We're going to rate them one through ten. It usually goes the guest, then Adam, then myself. Uh, first category, how cool is the monster's origin in Matongo? Um, I would say I, it's it's cool, but I, I guess it falls into that. It's like it's unexplained. You know, it's it's just one of the another mysterious creature. So I guess... You know, I, I don't know how to really rate that. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Kind of, kind of. There's not much of an origin here, but there's definitely like a reason for the creature, right? Well, I would say that there is a there is deleted footage of this film where the ending is as if this this all happened in in the the characters' minds. Boo. So you know, it, it's. It's a little all, all over the place when it comes to, like, are, is it real? Is it not real? Who knows? Yeah, we can go right down the middle on this. I wrote down five. Um, what, what do you think I went through ten, Adam? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of inclined to lead towards seven uh, because I do like the idea of a mysterious island, not knowing what's going on. There, there is some secrecy there, which is cool. You're just waiting for the Harlem Globetrotters to show up? <laughs> yeah, they're uh, all about mushrooms, right? You, you you sold me on the uh, the actually monsters origin would be on the island right so I, I do love this island you know and Adam I'm gonna I'm gonna match your seven and we'll go seven on this one Kwong what do you think I I would actually give it a five you know yeah. I, I think that I, I wish that they kind of explained a bit more um, and you know I get I you know we you, we've talked about it a little bit before if there was like a, a film remake of this I like. Right. I just don't necessarily like the the whole like it's it's not really ever explained, you know. Mm -hmm. I guess I I just want more. Yeah, I, I found that to be a strength of this movie. But in order to score high in this category, you do need things to be explained. So I understand the five for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I I can be objective, even though it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I know people come in the show all the time and listen. Uh, does this scale? Does do these categories mean the definitive creature feature? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Anyways, category number two. How dumb slash silly are the human... By the way, this is an Adam category, and I always have to make this clear to the guest. Uh -huh. He thought that what makes a good creature feature is how dumb slash silly the human characters are. So, in Matongo, how dumb slash silly are the human characters? Please keep referring it to as my... It's a fan favorite category, so I'm happy to take the credit. Yeah, they were writing about it in all those user reviews they sent in this week. <laughs> well, you know, a thing about this is that the people can't survive if they don't partake in the matongo if they don't eat the mushrooms they'll die of starvation so i don't know if they're really dumb you know do they strike you as particularly silly characters not really i think that <laughs> yeah 
that it's something that like like the mommy character for instance um the the loose woman it's like i this is one of those occasions where this film i feel like with age just gets better because during the 60s i think everybody would have been like oh what a little slut or whatever where like today i think she'd be more celebrated as a character right i'd like to call her mommy that's what Adam was saying earlier. Uh, was that he? Well, those are Adam's words, by the way. The loose woman is how we're. Is how we're. What? Well, what would be that? Be Aiken two and Gilligan's Island? Which one of those was it? Like oh. Ginger or something? I'm not going to pretend I ever watched Gilligan's it's, Island. It's, so. I think she's the named, the only like named one, right? It's because they all have their category, the scientist and whatever. Yeah, there's like doctor scientist. Yeah, but then they. Oh, have... in in Matongo. Oh, no, no, in, in oh wait, sorry, I thought you meant in Gilligan's Island. Yeah, well, in Gilligan's Island, obviously Ginger, the the movie star, right? Yeah, there you, know. you go. Yeah, and then mommy, mommy is like a singer. That that's what her job is. Um, right, her, her character's job, and so you know, because there is sort of like the millionaire, um, who like Thurston Howell, uh, for instance. There's the uh, the uh, 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 Kasai. The character Kasai is like the millionaire, mm-hmm. the guy um, who owns the yacht, right? Right, and then uh, Kenji. Uh, uh, Akira Kubo's character, the professor, you know, so they they all have their sort of like Gilligan's Island equivalent, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it crazy that it was like one of the three references I threw in was that um, Adam. I'm going with a five on this one. I don't find them to be particularly silly or dumb, but they do make some decisions. I mean, Kwong's right. They really have to eat those mushrooms at a certain point. Otherwise, they'll starve. And that's kind of the beautiful plot device of the film, right? Well, well, they got the roots also, right? Which they don't know about because they're all rich a-holes. Only the captain knows that, like, hey, there's there's, there's food here. <laughs> right. Um, and so I think it's not that they're stupid, but they're more ignorant. And, and obviously, that's what the film wants to skewer is those rich people. So I'll give it a seven again. Damn seven, and I'm giving out fives. Kwong, are you are you going seven or five on this one? I guess. I mean, I'm I'll I'll, I'll give them actually an eight. Ooh. You know, because I feel like at the end of the day, they it, it you know it's it's that within their nature, you know these people are sort of rotten from the very get go, and it's not like they did anything in particular, um, to to get them there. I, I mean, I guess if anything, the millionaire character when he tells the, the, the captain in the very beginning to not turn the ship around, like mm-hmm. that's that's where things went kind of south. But after that, it's just like they kind of did what they had to, had to do to survive. Right. Also, what about that that moment in the beginning too, where uh, the author's like writing his manuscript and mommy as a joke just throws it into the ocean. <laughs> that yeah. was so awful. I felt so bad for the guy, but he seemed okay with it. He was like, "Hey, lay off." Yeah, you know he's, you know, and him. It, if I was gonna say who is like the worst, it's probably him mm-hmm. of all the characters. Mm-hmm. He's probably the most horrible of them. Um, but yeah, no, that that's that's definitely a weird part in the very beginning of sort of like this, like where they're kind of showing off that like the free lifestyle, you know, of these, like, young, rich um, Japanese folk. Yeah, I, I think the characterization of the characters in this movie is what makes it, like like you mentioned, maybe one, one of the best Toho movies, if not the best, you know what I mean? Or even certainly the best of this specific genre. So, you know, if they were too dumb or too silly, I probably wouldn't have liked the movie as much. But we're taking an eight there from Kwong, seven from Adam, and a five from me. 
Uh, category number three, how sympathetic is the monster in this film? I know we're going to have to twist this one on its head, but uh, how sympathetic did you find these monsters once they became monsters? You know, I... It, that's definitely a weird one because it's not like the, the creatures have much of like a personality. And, you know, it's the people. The, 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 the creatures are the people. Right. So it's like, it's not like you really like them. And, and I think that, you know... You you have to look at like a film like like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's like the aliens aren't really the thing. You know, it's it's the people that become the creatures. So it's like, unless you like the people, you're not going to like the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we know that the other, you know, it's it's the others have been shipwrecked. Also, all the people who've been there for a long time. But we know that there's some kind of like strange scientific experiments that they were doing already. So probably not necessarily uh, good people. That seemed kind of like some kind of bioweapon that they might have been trying to create if you know you can really apply anything but it doesn't seem like it was an it was an especially noble scientific pursuit so i think you're right there it's hard to say that they they are sympathetic but then yeah. again it is a toy that i collect the most of so <laughs> yeah i mean yeah I, I don't find them particularly sympathetic but their plight once they're forced to eat these things and become they assimilate to being these mushrooms i did find it frightening and scary so there's going to be some sympathetic points there i'm giving it a five i know being kind of a chicken on this episode going right down the middle but i'll give it a five i'll give it a five also yeah i'll give it a three Whoa. all right yeah, we love objectivity on this show i mean uh, you're, you're being you're being very fair i feel like to this movie um okay here we might make up some points here how strong of a metaphor are the monsters in this movie man i mean this movie i could probably go on for a long time about like what everything means um so this you know like I said, like everything in this film means something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like I know that there's also sort of like found um, like like sometimes like years later, people will sort of like instill ideas on top of films. But this is definitely not one of those cases. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. Where like, yeah, you'll watch a movie and you're just sort of like, oh, yeah, this is what it means. And then you're like, well, I don't really know if that the filmmakers really thought about it from that <laughs> right 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 we actually yeah we on our discussion of creature for the black lagoon that was a big uh that was the big hot topic if they intended that or not right and where this film i you know i definitely believe like everything in this film sort of meant something especially with uh the, the writer um takashi uh kimura you know he he definitely like had these sort of like chips on his shoulder and so he was putting all that out there mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you on this completely. I think this is where the movie is the strongest is what the metaphor means to the characters and what the mushroom people represent, you know, what the irradiation means. I'm, I'm going a very strong nine here. Yeah. I think, you know, Hondo's no uh, stranger to this. I, I think I mentioned at the beginning of our creature feature series that Godzilla would be probably a 10, Right, uh, and I think this is right along with it. I'm giving it a ten. Whoa, we have a ten. You know what, Adam? I was I was gonna go ten here, but I I've been fairly nice to the film so far, so I had to go nine. Kwong, I think I know where you're leaning on this one, but what would you give it numerically? You know, I'm definitely in in the ten. You know, like a you know where Godzilla like 
definitely with the uh, Japanese version can be sort of like really heavy handed when it comes to like like wagging its finger right at everybody this this goes a little bit more subversive and I think more in like an entertaining fashion where it kind of like it resonates with you a little bit more mm-hmm. um and so that's why I'd give it a 10 yeah this could have been the first category to get 10 10 10 in this uh creature feature series but but, but just, you blew it yeah Trevor's just because Adam just because Adam has been poking me all episode long, I'm going to penalize a movie that I said I quote-unquote loved. Uh, take so we're going, <laughs> we're going I feel 10, like if 10, you 9. maybe read a little bit more. Oh. <laughs> yeah. If I had never opened a book, maybe I could have learned how to write down 10. All right. Very strong category for them there. I think we're not going to go so well on this one. I don't want to shade anybody. But category number five, Rampage points. Kong, this is a reference to, the, of course, the video game Rampage. Uh, how much damage do the monsters do in this movie? I mean, pretty much none, unless you go you go into the actual ending of it, where who, who knows what's going to happen. Right. You know? I mean, I, I know that you guys wanted to go light on spoilers, so... Yeah, there's there's an open-ended ending here, and, and I, of course, um, I, I'm the hack who says I would love to see this movie remade. I would love to see a sequel to this film as well. Yeah, I also yeah. think, uh, I mean, the really... All we could say is that they destroy that boat kind of by covering it in fungus. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they done, they've done some damage to that island too as well. So I'm going three here, pretty low. I'm giving it some speculative points for sure. I don't even know if you could consider it damage to the island. I think it's just sort of where they're growing. Yeah. Sure, sure. But but if, if you if you take into account that the radiation wasn't always there, then you, you could say that that has you know poisoned the island in some way or other right i'm gonna give it a 10 uh <laughs> yeah i'll give it a two i'll give it a two okay uh kwong what are you thinking i mean i'll I'll go with like a like a three all right all right not too yeah. bad you know it's a strong last category uh and then this one obviously not so bad but uh this is what bonus points are for how big slash scary are the monsters in this movie uh i mean in a weird way, I guess they're like the scariest and non not scariest at the same time. Right. Just because it's like, it's really the people, you know, that, that that's like the heavy handed like message in this is that the people are the monsters. Right. We had mentioned, I had mentioned the, the monsters are due on Mulberry Street or whatever that uh, Twilight Zone episode is. It's very much that is where at the end of the movie you realize like you mentioned very early on like the fog didn't need to be there. The mushrooms didn't even need to be there. These people would have ended up killing each other anyway. Uh, that just kind of expedited the process. Um, but I will say once the mushroom people, quote-unquote, showed up, um, I found the noises they made quite scary, and I thought they were they were relatively big and scary. I'm, I'll go with a 7 on this. You know, like I'll never forget the way they looked, so that, that definitely has something going for it. Yeah. Have you guys seen the movie King Kong Escapes? No. No, I'm a, I'm a self-professed King Kong fan of the original, and, and uh, we're going to be discussing the 05 King Kong on this series, but I have not seen any of the sequels. Oh, King Kong Escapes is awesome, but the there's like a, a scientist named Doctor Who um, that's, <laughs> uh, he, he's sort of like, uh, he, he has, he's very gaunt, um, the actor that plays him, and he, he actually plays the Matongo um, that, that's like running around on the boat. Um, and he, he's one of my great he, – he's a great, like, Japanese character actor. He, he's, like, the perfect villain. And in King Kong Escapes, he's really awesome. Um, 
that that's a film that I actually love. That's like the the McCanny Kong um, character. So where there there's a where there's a Mecha Godzilla, there's also a McCanny Kong. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it, it's a pretty awesome movie. Interesting. Yeah, I've written down War of the Gargantuans and uh, what is it? Escape. Uh, King, Escape King, from Kong? King, King Kong Escapes. Oh, oh, yeah, King Kong Escapes. Very cool. Okay, yeah, that, so I definitely have some work to do. Definitely. I mean, if I'm supposed to be the big creature feature guy mm-hmm. uh, after this, uh, you know, series, and we're going to be experts on... Every time we do a genre, we become experts on it, of course. It's how the show works. So I definitely need to open up a, a few... Uh, uh, first of all, I need to open up a book, but then I need to open up a few other creature features. Uh, Adam, what are you giving this points-wise? How big slash scary is the monster? I'll give it an eight. I think, uh, I mean, at the end... Whoa. I- yeah, I think it's I think it's just very creepy at the end. But uh, up until that, as it's being very shown elusive throughout the film, I I was scared. I thought it was spooky. I mean, you know, I wasn't really scared because I'm a tough guy. But I was yeah, scared. definitely. That's that's something you have displayed throughout this uh, this show is that you are definitely not a coward. That's right, baby. <laughs> uh, I, I'm 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 with you. I just said it, but I did think it was kind of scary. And you were gonna when we watched them, the 1954 film, them very soon. Mm-hmm. You're gonna hear the noise that the the things in that movie make. That this is what reminded me of. And there's a lot of those maniacal laughing cues, like I was talking about earlier. I I found it to be like genuinely trippy. There's a new movie out called uh, In the Earth. Ben Wheatley's In the Earth, and everyone keeps describing it as trippy. But really, what it is is it's a bad trip. You don't you don't want to be tripping when you watch. Uh, in the earth you definitely wouldn't want to be tripping at the end of this uh, uh, movie i think it would be a bit too much uh, for a movie from 1963 i'm giving it you know big points you gave it an eight i gave it a seven kwan what are you thinking and you you are the expert on tripping just to be clear yes yeah, you uh, do like well, the mushrooms yeah and okay so now we've turned it around to me some kind of mario freak that loves mushrooms even though we have established adam is mr hallucinogenics over here how dare you <laughs> i mean i definitely give the creatures like, like to me, as far as character design, it's one of my favorites. So I'm gonna have to go nine. Yes. Nice. Um, you know, like I said, it's the, uh, it's it's the toy that I collect the most of. Um, I have so many different versions of him, um, and I'm you know, and I actually had become friends with the actual sculptor of the, of the suit. So, you know, that that's it's huge for me. Yeah, I, I, your fandom of this movie has really rubbed off onto me for sure, and I'm uh, hoping Adam as well. And I hope the listeners. I really hope they watch this movie. But um, on our bulletproof scale, that will no doubt bring us the definitive creature feature at the end of the series. Kwong, you've given the film 38 out of 50. How do you feel about that score? Um, I guess if I had like bonus fandom points, <laughs> <laughs> um, like like what we're rating, what what we're rating in this film. It's probably like, it it would be it would definitely be higher up for me, but for sure, you know, given what we're rating, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, this scale has been really tough on the movies, and I'll give you some context soon. But uh, Adam, you gave it a thirty-nine out of fifty. How do you feel about that? I think it's clear that I liked it more than Kwong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I gave it a thirty-six out of fifty, so I actually gave it the least which is like the third episode in a row that I've done this, even though I think I've liked the movie a lot in the last three episodes. Um, talk amongst yourselves real quick while I add up these three numbers. Oh, you probably oh, have ahead. something more interesting to say. I was just going to say, would you ever kiss one of these monsters? You know, I, I might have just like just jumped in right away and just been like, all right, I'm in. I'm, I'm eating the mushrooms. We're mm-hmm. going for it. They're probably pretty happy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the thing about 
the, like in the movie, every each person when they eat the mushrooms, their experience is different. And I thought that that was interesting. Like the mommy character became more beautiful, where like the other guys sort of like became kind of like monstrous, or they would they would get these like spots on their face, like with fungus growing on them and stuff mm-hmm. as they would devour the mushrooms. Where like her character, you know, who who's like super vain essentially becomes more powerful the more she sort of like devours the stuff Mm -hmm. which i thought was kind of cool like everybody's experience is different with it um uh so that you know that that's just something that i i really really like like i said like everything in this film sort of means something to me Mm -hmm. so you would kiss one of them you're saying most definitely I step away for I you know it didn't take me that long to add up those three numbers. I stepped away for ten seconds, and obviously I have the the headphones still on. And Adam's question of would you kiss one of these monsters? That that folks, that's what this show would be like if I wasn't around to keep this on the on the rails. <laughs> uh, okay, so we have a total score of one hundred and thirteen, which means absolutely nothing to anybody listening. But I'll give you the context right now. We've done four films in this series: Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Lorelei's Grasp, and Attack the Block. Matongo is now ranked number one Ooh, out of those four movies nice. at 113 to attack the box closest 108. So very, very strong showing from Matongo here. When I was watching it, I was falling in love with it. I wasn't thinking about the categories. I was afraid it wouldn't score high in the categories. But once again, our scale comes through for us, Adam. I think it'd be cool if this ends up winning. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what happens at the end of the series uh, – is what we do is we have an outro to Creature Feature episode where we give away awards. And this baby has a good shot at Best Picture. I would love to hear it win Best Picture. But that <laughs> means, Kwong, that you'll have to you'll have to uh, leave me a voice memo on my phone accepting the award for Best Picture. But speaking of awards, every time, like I mentioned, we do the outro episode, we have a bunch of awards that aren't Best Picture we give away. And they're named after the guests. So, of course, for this, we have um, the Trevor Dillon Award for Chonkiest Monster. We have the Justina Bonilla Award for Best Underwater Scenes. We have the Miguel Rodriguez Award for Real World Allegory, which this definitely has a very good shot at. But what is it going to be? What is the Kwong Lee Award for blank going to be? Best Kiss? Ooh. <laughs> yes. Yes, Toby Maguire, uh, Best Kiss winner of the MTV Movie Award. Wow, I'm jealous I didn't have that category. Yeah, Adam refuses to actually give out what his category is going to be. Did Kwong just stop on that? Maybe so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all Adam ever cares about when we talk about these movies is, who would you rather marry? Would you kiss one of these things? This guy is this guy's a real freak. <laughs> you know, maybe he's just a romantic at heart. Yeah, come on, Trevor. Read a book. Yeah, he wanted to well, I wanted to watch a Creature from the Black Lagoon, and for some reason he really wanted to watch Shape of Water. Hey, hey, hey. That's not true. Uh, Kwong, I think that's a fantastic award. Like I mentioned, yeah. if uh, if um, Matongo wins any awards, which I have a feeling it will, uh, you can um, come back on the show by leaving me a voice memo that we'll play on that episode, accepting any awards. But uh, I, I had a blast, man. This was so fun. Thank you for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I know. It, it was really cool. And, you know, hopefully we can talk about some more weird movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? Um... You know, ho- hopefully we'll be doing more screenings at the Frida soon now that it's open. You know, that Absolutely. that's actually been something that I've, you know, I- I've really wanted. And we've, and, you know, Trevor and I have discussed it on numerous occasions. Um, you know, I-, I-, I have a project called Creature Bazaar that I work on. Um, 
hopefully, you know, as if conventions come back anytime soon, we'll be able to host our first in-person event. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that I've been able to, you know, have Creature Bazaar survive without any events, but that's how we kind of designed it in the very beginning. Yeah, Creature Bazaar is an awesome, very dedicated following. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at creature underscore bazaar, and that's bazaar as in the market version of bazaar, not as in the weird version of bazaar. Um, yeah, no, I'm really excited to continue to do screenings with you uh, at the Frida and anywhere else that you want to do them. Uh, I think that somehow, some way, we can find a way to get this movie onto the big screen. Yeah, can I ask you guys for a favor? Um, you were kind of talking about some some double feature actions going on in the future. I really, really want to see uh, 2001's Pulse, Kurosawa joint. Uh, so if you guys can get that going, I'll be there. Are you just generally asking me to program the film Pulse? Yes. On the air. During the plug segment. That's right. Save this shit for off mic, you weirdo. <laughs> I think he's just trying to lean in to, to, to pressure you more. Yeah, the, the, this is what the people want, Trevor. Are you going to do it or not? Yeah, I have never do, had a single person. Do you person. not like Kurosawa films? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the exact Kurosawa I want to play. Is the guy who made Pulse. <laughs> well, okay, um, anyways. What about you? I have, a, I have a Kurosawa movie playing this month. It's called High and Low, and it's absolutely fantastic. Adam, do you have any plugs you want to say? Yeah, go see High and Low, everybody. Uh, and check out <laughs> Projector Feel on Instagram, where I post the movies I'm watching. And uh, Adam J.C. Wagner, the website, .com. Uh, something like that is where I post the movies I make. Trevor, have you ever seen any of the yeah, movies I make? Yeah, Adam Manks movies. Uh, my plugs are going to be, of course, as always, on Letterboxd, at Captain Dills, where I keep a list going of all of the films that we talk about in all of the respective series, and I rank them uh, given their scores. And then, of course, I'm at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter, and always follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all of their socials to see what we're doing. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We've mentioned this. If you roast us in the review, we'll read it at the top of the show. Hit the follow button on Spotify and Adam. We're on Google Podcasts. I, uh, what's that? We're on Google Podcasts. Oh, we are on Google Podcasts. Okay, cool, because I was going to tell you a story about what happened when I was surfing this morning. But never mind. I guess I'll save it for another episode. Go ahead, Keanu. What's that? Go ahead, Keanu. Okay, so yeah, I was out surfing because you know I live where I live. I live about 0.4 miles from the beach, and I was out real early, um, uh, you know, getting pitted, and uh, I saw a message in the bo in a bottle uh, on the beach, and I opened it up and I unrolled it, and it said, uh, "Ghost Party Radio is on Google Podcasts now." Is that true? I that's true, Trevor. Yeah, we are on Google Podcasts now. We have two followers on there. So if you, anybody who will follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts wants to migrate over to Google Podcasts and start, keep that going. Keep that movement going over there. As long as if you're lost at sea, as long as you have a sextant, you can find Ghost Party Radio. <laughs> All right, our our guest is just sitting here waiting for us to wrap this up. Adam, uh, hit the people with the, with the outro that we do every year. Yeah, I, Trevor, you know, you, you mentioned that I refuse to acknowledge you're a, a filmmaker. Um, have you ever seen any of my films? Uh, I have, actually, yeah. And, and you know what? I was, I was blindsided by the fact that you had written a, um, a short for Apple, or for, was it for Apple TV that Gina Rodriguez was in or something? For the one and only Google. Google, yeah, I have not seen that. I did not know about that, but uh, I, you've you've sent me scripts in the past, and I, I we've gone over them, and I, I've enjoyed them, and I'm a big supporter of your filmmaking career, actually, Aww. as opposed to you, you, you and me. Well, I'm gonna choke up. Thanks, buddy. Is this All where right. the, the Matongo remake comes in? 
I'm down. Dude, I, I'm sorry. I know it's hacky to always say, like, this movie needs a remake. It doesn't need a remake, but boy, would I love to see a remake of this movie. Anyway. Maybe we can maybe we can get Kurosawa, uh, the Pulse Kurosawa on the, on the deal. All right. Oh, this I'm was down. a messy one, but it should be a messy one for this movie. That's right. Thank you all for listening to Ghost Party Radio. Adam, we have officially... Matangoed. <laughs> nope. Bye. Bye. Mm, that's a 10.